0: This week on Technotopia, we're talking to Jameson Lopp, a Bitcoin programmer. This is Technotopia, a podcast about a better future. I'm John Biggs. welcome to technotopia i'm John Biggs and today we have jameson Lopp he's a Bitcoin enthusiast and programmer, and you're going to tell us about the future of blockchain and how things are going to be amazing right I sure hope so <laughs> okay so so as as you may not know we're focused primarily on how things are not going to suck in the future, so if there's any uh if there's anything that you think is going to suck uh you might as well talk about it now. That way we can get out of the way. <laughs>
1: yeah, well, um, you know, we've – a lot of us who are in the the Bitcoin and blockchain space uh, who got into it earlier did so, you know, for philosophical and ideological reasons. And so there, there are a lot of great ambitions of what we think that this technology can allow us to mm-hmm. accomplish. Uh, it's been really interesting over the past couple of years, you know, seeing – how some of the, the different viewpoints of people in the system have, have caused us to butt heads and uh, uh, I guess the, the long story short is I, I think that there's always going to be politics regardless of what the technology is.
0: Okay, so well, let's, start, let's start out uh, a little bit more slowly. So let's talk a little bit about blockchain generally as a, as a tool because let's assume, that, um, let's assume that, that the audience has heard about it but they don't quite understand what's going on. So what are, what are we talking about right now?
1: Sure, so uh, the blockchain is basically a, a new type of data structure or database, if you will, uh, which is a way for us to to have uh, a new type of ledger uh, that lets you keep track of things to be as generic as possible mm-hmm. and and the real difference with the blockchain versus any of the ledgers that have been used for you know th- throughout human history is that now we have a way for it to be uh, immutable and uh, basically provably unchangeable um, once the, the entries are written into the ledger. And then the, the system itself that, that Satoshi, this anonymous individual created with Bitcoin, has a number of other properties that allow us to make changes to this ledger in a a trustless fashion such that we we don't have to trust anyone to be honest uh, within the system. Mm -hmm. And you you got a a lot of interesting properties, many of which were initially used to, to help create this currency that, that we call Bitcoin. But but now, over the past few years, just a lot of other people uh, throughout financial industries and many other industries are starting to realize that some of the properties of this type of new ledger uh, can be leveraged uh, within their, their own needs to do uh, more efficient things or just do completely uh, new things that have never been possible before.
0: Okay. So what does what does this mean to us as a as folks who will be living in the future who will be dealing with uh, dealing with this sort of ledger in the future? so it seems it seems to me that we're talking about a new way to a new way to store data plus a new way to uh, pass value. What's the what's what are we thinking about here?
1: Certainly, I mean, um, the the major things that it comes down to is it's it's a new type of trust model. Um, it's a new way of allowing people to interact economically. So much like the way that the internet has completely revolutionized human communication over the past few decades, uh, blockchain systems are going to revolutionize uh, human economic interaction. And and that can be something as simple as making payments, or it can be more complex and moving uh, other type of value and assets uh, and their ownership around. And then we're getting even more complex these days uh, on the cutting edge of this type of system with what we're calling smart contracts, which basically allow you to do almost anything that you can program a computer to do. So the, the possibilities seem to be becoming endless.
0: Okay. So the, so the, the contracts themselves are going to do are going to are going to be able to run a program at the at the same time or what's the uh, and I'm 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 trying to simplify this for the uh for a layperson
1: Sure so the the fancy word for what these type of systems really allow is disintermediation mm-hmm. and and so if you think about any type of economic interaction where you have an asset like a house or a car or, you know, something something that is officially owned by you, you know, according to the legal system in your area. Whenever you want to transfer ownership of that asset, you have to use – trusted intermediaries and that might involve banks it might involve notaries it might involve different type of uh, government agencies and people working there that you know they're in charge of updating all of these official records and so the the point of these blockchain systems is that if we can get rid of the need for those human trusted intermediaries and instead allow, us to automate them with code and with these new type of databases, then that's going to save everybody a lot of time and money um, because you won't have to, you know, physically make an appointment, physically go somewhere, you know, physically wait in line. Instead, you know, you, you can just have all of that logic uh, automated and, and done by the computer and, you know, hopefully a, a few keyboard strokes or a few mouse clicks.
0: Okay, so we're basically we're talking about uh, you don't have to go to the DMV and and part part of the part of the, I guess the modern bureaucracy, and I think I think I think this has been discussed before, but the idea of that the, the educational system was built around the idea that you can recreate a modern bureaucracy anywhere in the world through our educational system, right? So you know you know how to do you know how to do long division, you know how to do certain things, you know how to write contracts, et cetera, et cetera, uh, and you can send somebody to. I don't know, the, the strangest place in the world and they can set up a little outpost of your, of your country. So, and this is, this is how colonialism happened and all this other good stuff. We can get in a little more deeper if you want. Uh, but it seems what you're saying is that you don't need that person anymore. You don't need this, uh, you don't need to send culture, uh, through the world, uh, through education, you can actually send a robot. You can send a system that will will do the trust and do the and do the uh, system of trust that that allows the home office. I guess you could say to say, yeah, this is a this is a accurate and this is a correct. Uh, process and this has been processed correctly,
1: right exactly. I mean, these are new types of protocols, and protocols are rules and you know if you think about it, laws uh, and the whole legal system is just a bunch of rules and the, the the main difference is you know who is the adjudicator or who has the final say to uh, to make sure that the rules are being followed so now instead of having you know laws that are Purely you know, created by politicians and enforced by courts and and law enforcement. Mm-hmm. We instead have a new type of system where the 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 base level rules are created by the programmers that are making the the lower level system. But then on top of that, anyone who's using the system can create their own set of rules and try to get other people to agree upon them. Um, and if, if this is the sort of voluntarist uh, perspective of if we can then allow people to enter into voluntary exchange uh, and, and economic interaction and, and allow for them to uh, have adjudication of whatever agreements that, that they come to between two or more people, then we can really allow – the, the global economy to, to blossom and and cut cut down on a lot of you know, cross border issues and cross jurisdictional issues mm-hmm.
0: so what's going to happen so would you we, we, did, we did a lot of talk about blockchain is is can blockchain be separated out from the idea of a Bitcoin the idea of a piece of
1: value right certainly um, though there are plenty of purists uh, who would argue from a security standpoint, you need to be paying whoever is securing the system. Uh, but we're going to see all kinds of different models. And, and and these basically come down to different trust models. And you're going to see banks that are creating their own private distributed ledgers. Uh, we're also seeing um, open projects like uh, the Linux Foundation and their Hyperledger project uh, creating more, more open distributed ledgers. Mm-hmm. Uh, but these are... These are distributed databases that may or may not be blockchains. Um, they may be private. They may be public. They may be permissioned. They may be permissionless. There are many different models, and you know we're just going to have to wait and, and you know let the market figure out which models work best for which purposes.
0: Hmm. Okay. So, and what are, what are you betting on? What do you think you're going to be? Are we going to have the galactic credits?
1: <laughs> well, the the real question these days is whether or not Bitcoin will maintain its sort of superiority that it's had over the years. Um, those of us who are more Bitcoin maximalists are, are hoping that we're going to see many, many blockchains appear, but that they will still be linked uh, cryptographically and thus their value will be linked back to Bitcoin. So there's, there's an argument that Bitcoin will remain the most secure chain simply because it has the most uh, computational power securing it. Um, and then there are a number of different cryptographic tricks that you can use to to create other systems that can leverage that security without actually having to to use the Bitcoin blockchain itself, or at least not as often.
0: Okay. Interesting. So... What's the, what is the world going to look like in 25 years, bottom line? So using these technologies, even if you wanted to get into flying cars, etc., just uh, what do you think
1: we're going to be seeing? So one thing that I'm not sure about is whether or not humans will actually end up using Bitcoin as a mainstream thing. Um, it, we're certainly dealing with a lot of you know, user interface um, and educational issues on that side. But I think that Bitcoin as a protocol and thus as a sort of machine to machine communication layer is going to allow for, for a lot of new things, uh, especially when you get into some of the more crazy futuristic uh, ideas, such as uh, smart property and mm-hmm. uh, digital autonomous corporations. And so if, if you understand that now we have a system of currency or value or assets that are purely digital and yet are still secured and are, don't require humans to actually uh, move them around, then you realize that computers can now own things. Mm-hmm. And so it would be possible, for example, for you to have, say, a, a taxi service and – The taxi service is just a piece of software that's running out in the cloud or the internet or what have you. Hmm. And it is managing the deployment of autonomous taxi cabs. And it takes care of the scheduling. It takes care of everything that humans would currently take care of with taxis. And the taxis will go around, pick up their fares, uh, collect their their money in Bitcoin or whatever other – Cryptocurrency, and then when they need, you know, to recharge or refuel or get maintenance, they'll drive themselves to a maintenance area or, uh, you know, call for a tow truck, and, and it'll it'll all be paying for itself. This it's entirely self enclosed uh, ecosystem mm-hmm. uh, slash autonomous organization. So it's that's the sort of type of efficiency. That we can expect to see from from this type of system so is it really right. getting rid of humans?
0: Yeah, that's what's that's what's confusing. Are the are the robots going to be? That you're saying the robots are paying themselves. But why do the robots have to pay themselves at all?
1: Yeah, why? purely for maintenance, right? And so, um, of course, if if there's a human that initially set up this organization, then they'll want to skim some profits off the top as well. But the idea being that. In general, the cost should be much lower. Uh, you know, the the more humans you can get rid of, the more you can automate stuff. That that should lower your cost more and more, and hopefully benefit everyone by you know lowering the the cost for the fare, and uh, and and increasing competition in general.
0: And what happens for the uh, what happens
1: for the poor people who are who were fixing cars and doing all that stuff? Yeah, uh, you know, th- this is the the perennial Luddite problem that we get into of, of, you know, robots going to take our jobs. Right. Mm-hmm. And the, the interesting thing about the Luddites is that they were, they were wrong, but they were also right. Uh, if, if I recall correctly, Luddites were mostly like farmers and other blue collar workers. And I think that a lot of their jobs were, were automated away, but, but then you, you realize that that creates additional jobs just in, Higher skilled areas. Okay. So so if the 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 job of actually driving a car around goes away, you're still going to have a need for people that are improving upon the the system that has replaced it. And so you know, c- computer systems are never perfect, or we're never done building. Uh, software and hardware and and automating things there's always a way to make it better
0: okay so so the the assumption is that things are going to be improved by all this stuff but i think i think the uh, the other argument and i don't i don't want to get i don't want to get too deep into the into the negative here but i think the other argument is that we are in a position that the improvements that are associated with this are so minor that we can't we can't uh completely Bring in an entirely new workforce to replace the one that we're destroying. So imagine, like, so you have you had you had um, going from buggies to cars, for example. That was a big deal because that was a that's you could you could teach the people who who grow buggies around, and they could get they could get more done, uh, and then they could uh, and they could move faster and they can they could be more productive. Whereas moving from uh, you're basically destroying an entire world especially if you have especially if you have robots replacing the guys who are driving the cars
1: yeah it's um it's one of those <laughs> things where it's like either you're a pessimist or an optimist right okay. and you know i i can't predict the future and um and i i don't know whenever we start talking about you know how do you how do you control the economy well i'm not so sure that we're really supposed to control the economy.
0: Okay.
1: Um, though I have seen a number of of you know interesting proposals. i'm I'm hearing more people talking about universal basic income these days, and I think it's kind of revolving around that same issue of well, if we're if we're creating so much wealth with you know automating things, then then surely you know some of that can be put back. Into you know helping the humans who are displaced by it, or, or you know trying to to reeducate them and get them other skills uh, for the modern age.
0: Okay, so it's gonna, so it's not gonna be horrible,
1: right? I I think that we're gonna survive. I think it's gonna be fine. I mean, the I don't recall hearing. You know, like Great Depression type stories, you know, from the Luddite area. I think that all worked out fine, and and that you know the same type of cycle will continue. Okay. And that yes, you know, some people will lose their jobs and it'll hurt, um, but that that can happen for any number of reasons. You know, economies have natural cycles. That's that's just the way that things are. Okay.
0: So are we gonna are we gonna be paying with Bitcoin at the coffee shop anytime soon?
1: I, I'm still pretty skeptical about that. Uh, we've we've got so many uh, scaling issues and usability issues and security issues that that at this point in time, I think that Bitcoin is really better uh, as a, a machine type protocol than as a day to day you know retail transaction.
0: Hmm. Okay, but what about uh, what about? And this is this is a little self-serving, but what are you thinking about in terms of uh, in terms of? Um, less speedy transactions, less like credit card transactions, but more like, like sending money to friends for, for kicks, that kind of thing.
1: Right. I mean, there, there are so many different properties that this system has that it, it makes it usable for a number of different things. And if, if you have a need, for example, to, to move money across borders and your only existing option is something like wire transfer or you know, going through a you know, series of, of bank, like ACH systems, um, then Bitcoin is by far superior because mm-hmm. we're talking you know, the order of 10, 20, 30 minutes versus three to five business days, sure. if not longer. And so it's, it certainly excels in that area. I don't at the moment see it excelling at at you know going into a store and, and making a, a retail purchase. And I've tried to make a number of retail purchases with a variety of Bitcoin software and hardware wallets. Um, over the past few years, and I still encounter a lot of issues, so it's still pretty clunky. Though you could argue, you know, credit cards were pretty clunky when they first came out. Sure. So you know, we're still in the early days with this, and we're trying to make it uh, better. And I've I've got a number of, of things I think that that are bright uh, in our future that. Probably won't really be ready for another year or several years. Uh, for example, the Lightning Network is something I think is really interesting, but it's they're still you know highly uh, developing it, but it, it has a lot of potential. And th- there's so many different ways that this could go. I, I don't I don't know what the final uh, what the final form of Bitcoin will be, but I, <laughs> I think as long as it remains strong and and keeps its its history of of being censorship resistant. Uh, and and decentralized and that's the most important thing and then we can try to build these other features like scalability and and you know faster throughput faster confirmation uh and uh the ability to do micropayments easier all Um, right so so we should all be bullish
0: on bitcoin right
1: i certainly am
0: as a as a a future as a future technology all right very cool so jameson where can people find out a, a little bit but a little bit more about what you're working on
1: uh, so I'm a software engineer at BitGo. Uh, it's B-I-T-G-O dot We're a multi-signature wallet. We power a lot of the Bitcoin exchanges. Um, I, I do the occasional uh, blog post on Coindesk dot com. And uh, I'm an avid tweeter. And my, my Twitter handle is LOPP, L-O-P-P.
0: All right. Pretty cool. All right. Thank you very much. This has been Technotopia. I'm John Biggs. We will see you next week.
1: Thanks.